road you have. You're now tuned in to Marcus Reyes and just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darvetta has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's going on, Far, Far Away family? Welcome to Star Wars Audio Archive. So how's everyone doing today? I hope everything is going well on your side of the galaxy. Everything's about the same out here on Outer Rim. Smugglers are smuggling and spice runners are running. Same as usual. But I do have some news from across the galaxy. Now this is kind of scary. I don't know if you've heard about this yet, but the WGA has went on strike. So this could impact Star Wars TV release dates. For those of you who don't know, the WGA is the Writers Guild of America. They're a union that represents the writers in the film and television industry. They are currently on strike, which means that they are not working. This strike could have a big impact on Star Wars Disney Plus shows. Some of the shows that are most at risk at being delayed include Andor Season 2, The Mandalorian Season 4, Star Wars The Bad Bad Season 3, Tales of a Jedi, and Star Wars Vision Season 3. These shows are all in various stages of production, and the strike could cause them to be delayed or even canceled. Now, the shows that are most likely to avoid the delays are Ahsoka, Skeleton Crew, and The Acolyte. These shows are either already finished or close to being finished, so they're not as affected by the strike. It is important to note that the strike is still ongoing, so it is possible that the release dates for all these shows could change because there's always rewrites on set. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens. In the meantime, I encourage you to support the WGA strike. The writers are fighting for a fair pay and better work conditions. They deserve our support. So definitely give it out. Okay, now let's get back to Star Wars Brotherhood because when we left off last week, we found out that Obi-Wan had more than a suspicion that something was going on with Anakin and Padme. So let's jump back into the story and find out what's happening now. Anakin Skywalker. Halfway to the shuttle, the alarm sirens rang out across the city. Then came the battle droids. I guess they saw Obi-Wan, Anakin said. Mill kept pace as they continued, alley upon alley, block after block. The path, which seemed so free of any resistance not too long ago, now filled with random sprinkles of battle droids, which meant the use of a lightsaber as needed deflecting blaster bolts and slicing through the opposition. And though it was all necessary, such actions seemed to wear at Mill's emotional defenses. He moved with a swift precision, at times more in tune with the currents of the Force than he was even in the arena at Geonosis. Despite the hindrance of his mechanical arm, his lightsaber swung from side to side, tilting from angle to angle, covering from forward to backward, all to protect Mill as they dashed ahead, the volume of battle droids increasing the farther they went. R2-D2 trailed behind, but between the rockets in his legs and some well-timed electrical zaps, the astromech's history of effective movement in combat came through once again. At least until a stray blaster bolt finally caught up with his luck frying one of his boosters so he could only roll to keep up. I think we're clear, Anakin said, leading Mill up and over a building before breaking hard to the side and pointing at a sewer grate. R2-D2 beeped an affirmative, rolling around the building to catch up on the other side, continuing scans for seeker remotes or battle droids. The grate proved heavy, 
But the combination of adrenaline and force-assisted strength quickly pushed it aside to let Mill drop down. R2-D2 followed, floating down with wobbly single rocket power. And finally, Anakin disappeared as well. With the force, Anakin pulled at the grate, dragging it back into its place to cover their tracks. They moved quickly, taking advantage of the cover. R2-D2 projected a map that connected the underground passages into segments that brought them close to their ship. There it is, Anakin said as they turned the corner, a half-circle of light awaiting them at the end of the tunnel. R2-D2 beeped some directions about what lay ahead, a small drainage waterfall that poured out over a ledge all the way down to the planet's surface. More important, their ship was parked directly above them. After a few calculated force-assisted jumps, the only remaining hurdle would be Obi-Wan's return. Yet something strange awaited them at the end of the tunnel, and it took Anakin several seconds to realize that the low rumble he heard came from a ship hovering at the exit rather than anything to do with the tunnel itself. A strange ship for sure, one with a bulbous front cockpit and a thin line for some sort of tall tail fin. Wait. He broke into a crouch, now reaching into the force to heighten his senses. Stay behind me, he said, one arm out to act as a barrier for Mill and the other holding his now-lit lightsaber. Something's not right. I think I've seen that shit before. As he said that, a mechanized buzz echoed from the hovering craft, and Anakin squinted until he saw that the noise came from the cannon atop the tail fin. And as he adjusted his angle, it became clear that it wasn't just a tail fin, but a half-circle fan blade, the cockpit sitting in the middle. The cannon shifted slightly, and Anakin draped his body over Mill when he realized what was happening. The sound of a single cannon burst quickly became a rumble of breaking duracrete and the clang of falling metal, the bright exit disappearing in an instant. Now trapped in complete darkness, Anakin held his lightsaber in front of him, both a defensive stance and an effort to provide some light, though at this point, his Jedi senses would be of greater use. I'm okay, Mill whispered. I just... It's you, isn't it? That voice. It boomed out, ringing through the tunnel. Anakin knew exactly who was speaking. The mystery voice from Obi-Wan's comlink. The question was halfway between cold threat and amused mockery, and his eyes searched the darkness for its origin. So you're Kenobi's partner. His instincts called at him to fly forward at the mystery figure, lightsaber swinging. Had he been alone, that might have been an acceptable strategy. But the encounter with Count Dooku on Geonosis lingered in his mind. And while he gripped his lightsaber hilt with both hands, a moment of doubt slipped in. Would his mechanical hand move with the exact blend of precision and power the moment required without any visibility to aid him? Go to the corner and hide, Anakin whispered. Stay out of sight, or two, protect her. 
His voice rose to a full shout, loud enough to cover the sound of Mill sneaking off. We're just passing through. We'll be off planet in minutes. I suggest you step aside as we move that rubble. If, his eyes scanned for any movement in the black, you want to live. <laughs> Is that a threat? The woman said with a laugh. It had to be Dooku's agent. Kenobi I could deal with. He's so polite. But you... You are more... As she spoke, Anakin approached, the hum of his lightsaber tracking with his forward movement. Curious. His boots stepped with a measured gait, a conscious effort to slow down and stay grounded. I've dealt with Dooku's minions before. Oh, I am aware of that. It's never ended well for them. What makes you think you'll have a better chance than the last one? The woman's only response was a laugh that rang through the dark. Then nothing. Then footsteps. Pounding against the stone of the tunnel, whirring by him so fast that he couldn't get a sense of where or how. He swung his lightsaber out, a clear arc in front of him, though it failed to connect. The footsteps continued, rushing in front and behind, all around in a loop up the circular tunnel. And Anakin shut his eyes, letting the Force guide him, telling him where to angle, where to step, where to turn. Both hands gripped his hilt, the flesh of his natural hand working with the mechanics of his gloved limb. He took a split second to think about how to internally calibrate for the difference, but that opening was enough for the steps to stop. A foot ramming him in the gut before two glowing red lines blazed to life. Weapons of the Sith. Anakin's lightsaber swung halfway up, sparks bursting off as the blades pushed against each other. The brilliance of the weapons painted the space, and they fought with each swing meeting another swing, the burning impact creating a storm of flashes throughout the tunnel. His hands held the hilt overhead, advancing with the bright blade ready, looking for an open area to strike. But what this woman lacked in refined technique, she made up for in speed. And they circled each other as they fought, the pop and snap of lightsabers loud enough to bounce off the tunnel's stone walls. You are strong. Count Dooku will be most interested in your progress. She attacked, her blades crossing against his, a test of strength as they pushed against each other. I've already met the Count. He's far less interesting than he seems to think. His mechanical wrist flexed, and he tapped into its innate strength, allowing him to shove the woman back before he followed up with a quick swipe. But he'd misjudged how much power came with the extra robotics. The woman stumbling back too far for his one-two combo to be effective. The woman backed off and deactivated her lightsabers again, disappearing into the tunnel. He improvised, charging forward again, this time back to basics. Direct high and mid slashes, moves that would overpower the connected properly. To his left, he heard the distinct stomp of a boot pressing off the curved wall, and red lightsabers burst out over him. 
Anakin turned, now on his back heel, but swung hard enough to knock the crimson beams down. His balance off, he barely had time to comprehend the sound of the woman's skirt whirling around as she switched tactics, kicking him in the gut before swooping the toes of her boot into the side of his mouth. The impact caused a grunt, though he brought his blade back up for a quick block. But it was too late. Because while Mill didn't call out his name or yell, her sharp inhale was enough to draw the woman's attention. Oh. Now her blades were back up, fully readjusted in her hands. Look at this. You're not alone. Red shadows shifted only faint details of cheeks and eyes, moving into what turned into a smile. Now this is interesting. Anakin pushed her back, then attacked, using straightforward swings and thrusts. He moved with aggression, a willingness to leave himself with a few vulnerable openings in exchange for an assault that blanketed his opponent. His edge returned, pure mastery of form compensating for the lingering concerns about his right arm. With the mystery woman on her heels, Anakin seized the moment. Mill! Run to the end of the tunnel! What'd she do when she got there, Anakin hadn't figured out yet. But getting her on the opposite end at least put him in a position to shield her. The two red lightsabers whirled, and Anakin heard Mill sprinting off toward the collapsed tunnel exit. Anakin dashed backward, then used the force to grasp at the mystery assailant. She stumbled, slowing her down enough that he could close the gap between him and Mill, and he reached into the force to throw an invisible fist at the fallen rubble. A chunk of it popped out, creating a poking beam of light. He did it again, further debris jostling out, and again to the point that the small hole now gave way to an opening where he could actually see the woman's fan-shaped craft. The assassin now walked with an even pace, one red blade in each hand. Enough light shone through that details of her features became clear, from her harsh eyes to her shaven head. Her silhouette revealed a form-fitting outfit complemented with a flowing skirt, its sash belt whipping out behind her from the breeze. But before he could fully take in her distinguishing features, she dashed forward. Who is this youngling you're so desperate to protect? She asked. Now he wasn't just in combat with her. He had to guard Mill from her. She swung at him, a back-and-forth exchange of thrusts and parries, except now she used the force to knock a piece out of the rubble wall and throw a chunk his way. He gripped his lightsaber, still holding it in proper technique with both hands, but his organic hand wanted to move just a hair faster than his robotic hand, despite the enhanced strength and durability of the synthetic appendage. He glanced behind him. The rubble was now about halfway cleared, enough that if Mill and Dr. D2 squeezed, they could nearly climb out. And you, youngling, is he your master? Have you not gone to Ilan yet for the gathering? Don't answer, Anakin said, taking a step forward. Another two-handed slash, but once you blocked with ease. His left palm opened, pulling at loose debris through the force to open the hole further. But she attacked quickly, a flurry of strikes. 
Yet the strangest thing happened. While his fighting style often worked with a two-handed grip, Anakin instinctively parried with his robotic hand alone. And in doing so, under attack from a mysterious combatant and with a youngling to protect, its inherent differences rose to the surface. His arm didn't need to be calibrated to his old instincts. No, it was much simpler. His mind had to adapt to his arm. With that, everything shifted. Just like his relationship with Obi-Wan, all he had to do was accept that it had changed. There's conflict in you, youngling. I myself was once a lost, frightened girl who didn't understand her own potential. Just like you. The woman squinted, tilting her head. Interesting. A Zabrak. I know them well. And what is that? Now I sense something different from you. Yes. Of course. She nodded, her lips curling upward. Your fear reveals much about you. <sighs> you question this Jedi life. As you should. Whether the words were meant as a taunt to draw him out or genuine conjecture, Anakin didn't know because they triggered an instinctive reaction, a sort of autopilot among him, his lightsaber and the Force. But rather than his arm being just out of sync with this flow, it now lined up. Not a different piece of himself, but something unique and powerful. Something that added to his abilities now that he knew how to harness it. His need to defend Mill, the drive to make things right, to take responsibility for this youngling he brought along. All of it focused into a single outburst. His lightsaber swung with frightening speed, and suddenly, all of the woman's vulnerabilities became visible to him. His perception of time slowing down to show him possibilities before they happened. He attacked. Sometimes both hands joined in his lightsaber hilt, sometimes with natural flesh, and sometimes with synthetic parts, each option being used to the fullest of its capabilities. And now he was the relentless onslaught. The hurricane flashing blue, pushing against the receding wave of red. With each swing, he marched forward, angling the woman toward the tunnel exit. Every thrust calculated to keep her off balance, to turn her two blades from an advantage to a disadvantage, to prevent her from leaping over him or utilizing the environment as a weapon. Despite all this, the woman laughed. And suddenly her focus tilted to Mill's direction. <laughs> but do not worry, young one. You are right to question the Jedi. Let me show you another path. I will free you from the ponderous shackles of the Jedi. His lightsaber slashed downward at her, making her unsteady. And Anakin looked as her whole body shifted. One of her blades went dark. The hilt attached back at her belt, and with a free hand, she pushed through the ether to open up a larger space in the fallen debris. 
Then she hurled the force against Anakin, just enough to knock him back a step before sprinting off. Her other red blade withdrew, also latching onto her belt, and she ran toward the opening. No, toward Mill. Mill! Anakin yelled as he started his own sprint at her. But the woman was too far ahead, and she reached out with her arm to scoop up the youngling. Anakin's instinct kicked in, and rather than try to catch up, he reached out through the force to secure Mill with his mechanical hand. But it was too late. The mystery woman's swift pursuit allowed her to grab Mill by the waist as she landed on top of her craft. The ship dipped slightly with the impact, sinking into the fog for a moment before stabilizing. But it was enough for her to lose her concentration. Anakin's grip extended through the force, taking the moment to pull on the young Zabrak, shaking her loose. Mill saw the opportunity as well and slammed on the woman's arm to escape her grasp. Guided by Anakin, she floated toward solid ground when he felt a pull in the other direction. He looked up and saw the woman standing on top of her cockpit, both arms extended, Mill caught between them, a massive drop through the mist to the planet's surface below the youngling. Mill hovered through the opening, arms outstretched, Anakin and the woman equally tapping into the force to pull her from each side. Master! Mill cried out. Help me! She remained in midair, halfway between the tunnel's broken opening and the cockpit of the ship belonging to Dooku's agent. Through the force, Anakin felt her grip tighten, like a hand interlocking with his fingers. Come on, Mill! You can do this! She's mine, Skywalker. Let her train with a true master. How did this woman know his name? Ventress! A voice called out from above. Obi-Wan. Out of sight, but presumably somewhere above the tunnel. Obi-Wan! Anakin yelled. I've got Mills! The hum of a lightsaber came to life. Then Anakin saw it. A blue blade thrown with precision, not at the assassin, but at vital parts in the hull of her ship. It pierced into its side, a puff of smoke followed by a short burst of flame, and the ship began to sink. Not a full-speed nosedive, but the gradual descent of key systems failing. The hilt flew back, and Anakin heard it slap back into Obi-Wan's palm. Mill soared to Anakin, landing in his arms. He set her immediately down, then dashed to the edge of the open tunnel to see this woman, Ventress, scrambling to get in the cockpit as the ship gained more and more downward momentum. Anakin, I suggest we leave right now. Anakin looked up to see Obi-Wan peering over the ledge, one hand extended. Without asking, Mill grabbed it. Anakin boosted her up, then climbed to meet Obi-Wan, who used the force to help R2-D2 steady himself with just one working rocket. Mill stood with heavy breaths, but as she took Anakin's hand, her head tilted up, and a small smile crossed her lips. Are aggressive negotiations always like this?
Anakin closed the boarding ramp while R2-D2 scanned for any signs of Ventress or her ship. The hydraulic hissed as the hardware pulled upward to seal them back up, and the Norker rumbled with a startup as rough as its external condition. You all right? Anakin asked, gesturing at the burn marks on Obi-Wan's tunic. Rue puts up a tough fight, he said, glancing backward. She's a survivor. I have complete faith in her. I could say the same thing about Mel. He pointed at her in the back room, her legs crossed as she sat on the floor. That woman. She is a dangerous threat. We need... Yes. Obi-Wan nodded. Deep lines of concern across his brow. I understand. Dooku's agent. I have a feeling we'll see much more of her. He shook his head, his shoulder-length hair flowing from side to side. The youngling is safe. Shaken. They elevated, the cityscape below them becoming smaller and smaller. But safe. She's brave. She is a Jedi, Obi-Wan said. With such belief in his words, an absolute synthesis of bravery and purpose. As if it were impossible for the two to be separate whether Initiate, Padawan, or Jedi Knight. Anakin turned away from Obi-Wan, thoughts pulled in so many directions as the shuttle broke atmosphere. The galaxy map appeared on the main console, and Anakin punched in coordinates to Coruscant, mapping out a zigzagging route designed to shake any suspicion the Trade Federation might have of a suddenly departed shuttle. What about you? Obi-Wan asked. You are safe as well. Me? Anakin looked at his mechanical arm, the fingers gripping the shuttle throttle in a way that started to feel more instinctive. I may have to start training a little differently. The blanket of stars in front of them bled into star lines, and the shuttle shook as they entered the tunnel of hyperspace. But I'm fine. I always am. Now this was a good part. We finally got some action. And not only did we get some action, we heard the very first time the Anakin Adventures duels. And the description that Mike gives us was excellent. The details were amazing. But this was also the first time the Adventures reveals herself as a Sith in the Clone Wars. And I think that the report from Obi-Wan to the Jedi Council about this whole ordeal is the reason that Yoda assigned Ahsoka to Anakin. The way that Anakin put himself in harm's way to save Mill had to play a part in Yoda's decision. But overall, this is one of my favorite parts so far, and I hope there's more to come in the up and coming parts. We will just have to wait and see. Now let's get to the quote of the week, and it comes to us from the opening scene of The Clone Wars, Season 7, Episode 5, Gone with the Trace. It said, if there is no path before you, create your own. We are not limited by the choices that life has made for us. We can't control where we grow up, who our parents are, and the circumstances that led us to today. But we can forge our own new path in life, even if it means breaking new grounds. It reminds me of an associate of mine, Troy Baker. He faced a number of obstacles in getting his career started as a voice actor. He originally was told that he didn't have the right voice for the business, something that I heard more times than I can count. He was rejected by many voice acting schools and had to work low paying jobs to support himself. Despite these obstacles, Troy never gave up on his dream. He continued to work hard and to improve his craft. He eventually got his big break when he was cast in the video game Final Fantasy VII. 
This role helped to launch his career, and he has since voiced a number of other characters, including Joe Miller in The Last of Us, Booker DeWitt in Bioshock Infinity, and too many others to count. Troy is now one of the most successful voice actors in the world. He is a role model for aspiring actors. He faced challenges and obstacles, but he never gave up on his dream. If you have a dream, don't let anything stop you from achieving it. Go out there and create your own path. Okay, that's all I have for this episode. Join us next week for part 49 of Star Wars Brotherhood. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Audio Archives. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shed and is a production of Pick Film Media and was distributed by Sway Cast Networks. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel. Star Wars Brotherhood was read to you by Jason Odega. Sound designed by Theodore Thompson. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs>